Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast downloaded over one million times worldwide and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage, coming to you from Ngunnawal and Ngambri country. This is episode 275 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this week's episode, we look at Christmas stocking stuffers for hikers 2023. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. It's that time of the year again when you start to consider gifts for that special hiker in your life. In previous years, we have looked at the full gambit of Christmas gift options covering every price range, including some very high-end options. This year, for the first time, we focus on the lower end of the pricing range with gifts under $100 that fall into the stocking stuffer category with something that everyone can afford. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so as mentioned, we're going to keep the gift ideas to under $100. And given at this time that we're recording this podcast, there seems to be two Two extremes, people who are struggling to make ends meet and people who seem to have lots of money. So in keeping the ideas to under $100, it allows people to choose gifts at the lower end that most people can afford. But if you feel like you want to spend a bit more, you you can always go through and put a number of these gift ideas together uh, to build up something a bit more substantial. So... Some of the gift ideas we've always talked about over the last few years, and we'll continue to push these, and that's the $0 gift ideas. These are the ones that I like, and I think that they mean much more as well. And this essentially is just your time and your love. Uh, (laughs) Lots of love. (laughs) And what we mean by this is you don't necessarily have to spend money when you're getting Christmas gifts. And sometimes the options we're looking at here are things like offering to take the kids for a day or a weekend to give the parents some alone time. Drop-off or pick-up services for hikers to greatly assist in getting them to and from the trailheads. An offer to go hiking with someone who doesn't have a hiking partner, which can be very welcome. And allowing your significant other to disappear on a hike they've always wanted to do is also another great gift idea. Yeah, and allowing is in inverted commas, so... (laughs) I do that sometimes. <laughs> and I think it's it's one of these sort of things, you know, we always tend to work on the basis that we've got to spend money. But, you know, yes, you know, if you're going to take kids for the day, you're probably going to spend some money somewhere. But, you know, you don't have to go and splurge out. And that time, and certainly in my case, time is something I'm short of. So, you know, having a bit more spare time would be quite handy. Yeah, and for us, you know, even those pick-up and uh, drop-off options are, are going to be really important because often I have to do that and I have to drop Tim off and go to the other end and walk in and meet him halfway. So, you know, what a nice option that would be for us. 
From there, we go from the, the personal and lots of love section of this podcast to probably the most impersonal, and that's gift vouchers. But very practical. Yeah, it is very <laughs> practical. And it, it is hard because unless you know exactly what that, uh, that hiker in your life wants, you know, it's no good saying a hiker wants a new pack. It's what sort of pack. You need to be really specific. So gift vouchers can be used towards buying something that they particularly want. And it may be that you you need to say to someone who wants to buy you a voucher for Christmas, you know, choose these particular stores. Uh, but at least that way it means that if you are trying to put uh, a series of funds together to, to buy a new tent, to buy a, a GPS or to buy something a bit more substantial, um, you know, two or three vouchers from various people can go a long way towards that. So gift vouchers are a good option and usually there's most of the outdoor stores will have vouchers available uh, and they'll have them ranging from either choose your own amount or yeah, they'll, right. they'll start off at $25, which is pretty typical, and they'll go up to hundreds of dollars or you know as much as you really feel like loading onto the voucher itself. So vouchers are a very good choice. Uh, but as you said, a bit bit more impersonal because people know exactly how much you've gone through and spent. But it's also good if there's, you know, an agreement with the family um, that you're going to spend a certain amount and you've got an, a voucher to that amount. So it makes it much easier and, you know, the person who's receiving the gift card is able to get what they really want. Okay, now we get into the categories of uh, gift ideas, and this is the uh, when you are spending some money, but the the person doesn't know exactly how much you've spent. And the first category we're going to look at is the ten to twenty dollar mark. Now, this is a small sort of uh, gift category. Again, if you're a bit tight on funds, uh, this is a good option to go for. And I think keeping the the whole idea under a hundred dollars, you're not going to upset too many people by giving them. As I said, buying someone a pack when you don't know specifically what you want, it can be a big mistake. Whereas if someone gets a very small present, uh, they're normally not going to be too upset about it. So the things we've gone through and identified in these different categories are things we use ourselves and things we love and know people will like. So as silly as it sounds, a long-handled spoon. Uh, <laughs> now... For a lot of hikers, sporks tend to be the in thing, and they have been for many years. I'm not a big fan of sporks. I find I've got fairly large hands, and sporks, when you've got a, a utensil on either end of the, the a very small utensil, you end up you know holding one end of the utensil in your hand when you're trying to go through a neat. I prefer to have a, a spoon or a, a, just a, a, a long-handled fork something that you can actually go through and not have to worry about tearing open a bag and eating out of it because with tearing open a bag you means you can't then reseal it up whereas if you are using a food bag you unzip it or you tear open the top you've got the ziplock on the closure on the top on most cases you can finish eating your food put any rubbish in there and, and seal it back up without getting mess all over the place still in the practical category we've got things like the a cat hole trowel. Now, if you're a non-hiker, this may not be obvious, but sometimes you've got to go to the toilet and you need to bury your waste, and this means you need to dig a hole. So having a, a shovel or a small trowel is quite handy. And again, this is something 
we we've got three of them. In fact, no, we've got five trowels at the moment, but there's three that are the same. We don't use them all at once, though. No. <laughs> uh, and and the reason we've got three that we really like is we thought we'd lost one, so we ended up buying another one. And then I think we found it in the car, uh, didn't we? We eventually found it in the car. <laughs> we bought a second one, thinking that okay, if we're we're hiking separately, we need one each. And then we found the original one, so. We certainly don't have a shortage of, of, of trails around the place. Something that most hikers will need on multi-day hikes is toothpaste of some sort. And rather than carrying a toothpaste tube, the lush toothy tabs are quite handy. Uh, and they do a number of different flavours, for want of a better term. And it means you don't have to carry a tube or carry wet toothpaste. You're carrying uh, things that weigh less than a gram each. Uh, and you, you can carry exactly the amount of toothpaste you need for a trip based on whether you you do your teeth two or three times a day. But these are quite a handy thing and things we've been using for quite a few years and, and really do like. And and a little bit of a novel gift as well, I think. From there, you're looking at freeze-dried meals. Now, not all hikers like freeze-dried meals, but I think most hikers will have at least some freeze-dried meals in their cupboard. And we certainly do. We tend to keep probably 5 to 10, 5 to 15 meals in a cupboard at a time. They're handy in case we run out of food and we need something to eat. But, <laughs> but, but also if you uh, uh, are going for a hike and decide, oh, I, I'm going to turn my planned one-day hike into an overnight hike and I've got enough food uh, to suit what we need. Now, most food will fall into that sort of 10 to $19 category uh, and will work quite well. I, unless you know your hiking friend's particular tastes, I'd probably go on the more blander side. Uh, in my case, I like a, a nice spicy sort of meal, so it's not a problem if I get a spicy meal given to me. But for a lot of hikers, spicy is not, not a good thing. Uh, and going a bit blander, you can always add spice in if you need to, you can't take it out. Things like cups are also a fairly handy sort of thing. We, We're definitely in the, into the practical side of it. Is it definitely into the practical side of things? And you know, if people do tend to have very specific desires on what they what, what what they want their cup to be. I've always been a big fan of things like the Cedar Summit uh, Cool Grip X cups and X tumblers uh, because they they compress down to just a thin disc and don't take up much space. So choosing something like that's a fairly handy sort of thing. Uh, and again, it's usable at home, it's usable wherever you go, it can stay in the glove box of a car if you really want it to, so they're a, a handy little item. Still in that sub-$20 category, we're looking at things like DVDs. Now, streaming has pretty much replaced a, a, a physical DVDs for a lot of people, uh, but certainly uh, I find that there are some movies that are so, and I don't know what the quite the correct word is here. Unique. There's a a movie that I particularly like called Eddie. Uh, it's a hiking movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as I'm aware, it's not available on streaming. So having to buy that as a DVD was really the only option for me to be able to watch it uh, when I wanted to. A lot of the mainstream movies may well be available. Uh, but the secondary sort of movies, which aren't as, as common, you may end up having to buy a DVD. And, and we still do have a DVD player, but I'm sure that'll disappear. That will change. And, and I think some of those movies are just a little bit quirky and a little bit different. And that's the appeal of them as well. Now we're moving up a category into the $20 to $40 range. And this is where we're shifting into books. Now, 
everyone has different views and opinions on books. Some people like novels, some people like documentary style books, uh, uh, and it really depends on what you're actually after. But there's a, a huge range of hiking based books. One of the ones I do quite like is things like the book Wild and uh, A Million Steps. And Wild is based on the Pacific Crest Trail, and A Million Steps is based on the uh, Camino, uh, Camino Santiago. And it gives you a feel for what those trails are like. Uh, particularly in the case of A Million Steps, it's it's sort of written in a novelish, novelish sort of style, but it also gives you enough information to think this is something I might be interested in. And in my case, uh, this is very firmly planted the idea of wanting to do the Camino at some stage in the future. And for me, it confirmed that I probably won't be doing it. <laughs> Things like cleaning products, so things like the Nikwak Tech Wash. Uh, there's also Down Wash and a few other products as well. These are detergents that are specific to hiking-based equipment and outdoor apparel. And certainly in the case of the, you know, my sleeping bag will get a Down Wash once a year. My hiking clothing, things like my rain gear will get Tech Washed once a year. So it's it's quite handy when you've got a bit of downtime and you need to, or you've come back from a big trip where you want to go through and do a, a bit of refurbishment of your gear, uh, they'll just help to make your gear last a lot longer. Yeah, and they're specifically designed, as Tim said, for your hiking gear and a particular purpose. So it's best not to use standard detergents um, on your expensive hiking gear. Now, one thing we're a bit light on in this sort of podcast, or the written version of this podcast for that matter, is clothing. And I must admit, I think clothing you really have to know the person's size, specifically what they want. Do they want merino? Do they want alpaca? Do they want a synthetic garment? And what colour? And what colour? <laughs> uh, and, and what sort of fit do they like? So I tend to prefer my tops to be on the slightly snugger side, but a lot of people prefer to have them on the looser side. So it's, it's a hard one unless someone has really said, go and buy this for me, here's the colour size and that I want, uh, rather than sort of guessing uh, and again, for me, synthetic tops, I think I've got one in my uh, my wardrobe. All the rest is merino or uh, natural fibres, and I prefer that. But I mean, a lot of people do prefer the uh, things like polypropylene. So it's, it's really uh, what the individual's like. And having said all of that, um, it's pretty difficult to get a decent – Unless it's on special, it's pretty difficult to get a decent piece of hiking clothing for under $100 anyway. Yeah. We have included a couple of pieces of clothing items here, but again, these are things that aren't really going to upset anybody or put people off if they get given this. So things like the um, the lightweight skull caps, you know, not necessarily something you're going to be wearing in the snow, although I tend to. I don't tend to go very heavy on my uh uh, my clothing, even in snow conditions, or things like a buff. Everyone can always use a buff, and if they don't use it because on their head, they can use it around their neck. They can use it as a water filter if it comes down to it. So it's a fairly versatile piece of equipment, uh, and it, it's one of these things that, uh, worst case is, you might go a bit leery in colour. So with buffs, you might know, you know, plain might be an easier thing to do uh, rather than, than leery. Uh, but you might find that your hiker is someone that does like fairly bright sort of clothing uh, and you can get some fairly uh, 
lurid patterns out there. Those, out there <laughs> patterns. Now we shift up to the $40 to $60 range. And this is where it can be a bit fiddly sometimes. So things like a compass. Now you need to know if your hiker has a compass or not, but it's something that everyone should have and should know how to use. And it might not necessarily mean you're following a map. You just want to make sure you're heading in a northerly direction or heading back to, you know that the direction back to your car or back to where you need to head to is a particular direction. So compasses can be quite cheap under that $60 mark. They can also be a couple of hundred dollars as well. But a basic compass will never go astray. And the other thing about a compass, I mean, the one that we um, have in the article for this podcast is a Sunto, and uh, it's a recommended price of $50. When you see it, you, you kind of think, gee, that's expensive <laughs> for a little piece of what looks like plastic. But it is an instrument and you have to think about it in that context. And uh, if you are buying one of these uh, for yourself or for the hiker in your life, they will appreciate it because they will understand what it means and the significance of it. From here, we go on to things like tent pegs. Now, as a non-hiker, this can be really confusing. You can buy tent pegs that are $2 all the way up to sort of $25 per peg if you want to get really carried away. But yeah, there's certainly no need to go to the extreme. But typically the cheap pegs, in all honesty, aren't very useful. Uh, they bend, they, they get lost really easily. They don't tend to hold into the ground in a lot of cases. And sometimes the hiker probably has them because they came with the tent. Yeah. <laughs> So getting something like the MSR Mini Groundhogs Tent Stakes or this the, the non-mini version, uh, these are probably one of the best-known tent pegs in the world. I have both the minis and the full-size ones. I think they're one of the best tent pegs ever made and there have been copy versions of these made that you can get on the internet. But what you can't see is the quality of the material. So these, these pegs are made of a very high-quality alloy they, I don't think I've ever bent one of these. They just last and last. And they've got reflective cords on them, which is quite handy if you've ever wandered out of your tent at night time. Stubbed your and, toe. And stubbed your toe on a sharp tent peg. Having a little reflective uh, bit of line on there so you can see where it is is quite handy. Back, I suppose, to the clothing category again is a, a belt. Now, not all hikers wear belts when they go hiking. We discovered a few years ago the arcade belts, and they promote themselves as the world's most comfortable belt. And they are, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether they are the most comfortable in the world, but they're, they're certainly the most comfortable belts we've ever worn. They have a bit of stretch in them. They're fairly adjustable, so if you lose weight and put on weight, providing you aren't right in the, uh, the one end of the scale or the other, uh, these will be quite versatile. Uh, and they really are quite comfortable. Shifting here to the $60 to $80 range, and this is where you're starting to get a bit more specific about what you're buying. But again, it's possible to buy products that won't really upset people if it's, if you make the wrong choice. So a couple of the items we, we have here is things like the Petzl E-Light. This, for me, has been a favourite light for... Uh, in fact, my, my light is actually... Uh, seven years old. It still works. It still does a really good job. I love this uh, little light. Um, it's not something I wear if I'm doing some serious night hiking in areas I'm not familiar with. But if I just want a light for around camp, 
they're lightweight, they give enough light, and they last for ages as far as their battery life's concerned. And they weigh around about 27 grams, so they're pretty minimal in the pack. So if you're not planning on doing serious night hiking, these are a really good option. And they also double for use at home. Uh, and it might be that um, you know, if the power goes out, you can store this under the kitchen sink or wherever it is you happen to store your, your spare lights. And rather than reaching for a candle, you've got a, a headlamp that you can use if the power does go. You can certainly buy so many other different types of headlamps but I think once you start going up into the more serious ones, you really need to know what that person you're buying it for wants. Uh, I have very specific uh, requirements when I'm choosing a headlamp. Oh, on um, just about everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'll, as I said, I use my Petzl E-Light on a lot of, a lot of hikes. But if I know I'm doing uh, a, a series of nighttime hikes on a long-distance hike, I want something that's got a huge amount of power in it. Uh, which means I'm not going to trip over or walk off a cliff because I can't see where I'm going. The other thing which is a bit you know, in a strange sort of category is a thermos travel mug. Now, we do not carry these on a hike, but we, if we're driving to a hike, they always come with us. Early in the morning, got your coffee, they keep it hot for ages, whatever the drive length is, and it's such a good option. And I've, I found when we first started using these, I had a cup of coffee in there and it was just too hot to drink. So I ended up leaving it in the car, doing the hike, coming back five hours later and it was just about the right temperature <laughs> to, to drink. So it does a really good job. I must admit I haven't used it for cold drinks, but there's no reason that it wouldn't keep a cold drink uh, just as cool as well. But for me, it's very much about coffee and tea. And now we shift into the $80 to the $100 mark. So we're looking at things again which aren't really going to upset too many people by choosing the wrong thing. So things like a magazine subscription, and there's a couple of really good magazine choices uh, on the Australian market. There's also some on the US and European market as well. Um, and you can actually buy a subscription that is just electronic or, elect or just paper or paper and electronic. So it means, I must admit, I'm still in that sort of generation where I like to have a physical magazine in front of me. Even though I do go on the internet and research the internet, it's nice to have that magazine there as well. Uh, and I think physical magazines will still be around for many years to come. Well, at least until the oldies die off, Tim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we're looking at things, and our last one on our list is a water filter of some sort. Now, again, lots of choices in water filters here. Uh, you can buy the cheap to the really expensive. The one we've recommended is the Catadyne Be Free, and the one we use is a 0.6 litre uh, volume. You can either fill it up and take it as a spare drink bottle, albeit a small one. In my case, though, I tend to use it as a filter. So when I'm filling up my three-litre bladder, uh, I'll fill up my little Catadyne Be Free, use it as a filter to fill up my... Uh, water bladders, uh, you know, it doesn't take that long. Uh, and worst case is I can, I've, got the, I've got an extra capacity and it does the job quite well. But, yeah, you can buy uh, things like the little chemical drops or the, the pills you put into the water. Uh, I don't mind those ones, although a lot of people says it has a funny taste to it. Uh, but I, when I'm going on a hike, I will always carry this little Catadine water filter and I'll carry some uh, tablets as well 
uh, just in case. And when I say just in case, it's because uh, I've either lost or, or damaged my filter uh, or the water is that bad. Uh, I just want to make extra sure I've killed all the, the bugs and nasties in the water. Catadine is so easy to use and incredibly effective though. This year we have focused on the on the cheaper end of the outdoor uh, market and we've also focused on things that aren't going to upset anybody. Uh, and if I think if you translate that into normal life, if someone buys you a piece of jewellery and they've bought you a gold bracelet, as an example, but you only wear silver. It's still a bracelet, but you know, you've know you gotten it wrong. So buying things that aren't going to upset people, that are versatile, you, know, you buy a mug for somebody and it's the wrong colour, who cares? It's still a functional sort of thing. It'll always get a use. Whereas if you buy something really expensive like a pack and it's totally wrong, they're not likely to ever use it at all. So it's better off to pick things that are fairly neutral and fairly versatile and will just keep on lasting. As we said, we use all these things we've gone through and listed and they have lasted for years and years. Uh, and that's the thing I think that you, you, you need to look for is rather than going super cheap and it's only going to last you one hike or super expensive and may only last you one hike anyway and may not be get, get much use. So pick something that people are going to be quite happy with. And we have to remember it is the thought that counts. It is. It is. Okay, if you want to see more about the product we've talked about in today's podcast, go to the Australian Hiker website into our advice section or go to the show notes for this podcast and there'll be a link to the written article and you can see what this product's like. There is so much other choice to choose and if you really feel like you know the person really well or they've dropped enough obvious hints, uh, then you can sort of go a bit more upmarket. But as we mentioned, if you can, you can either go cheap on this end if, if you're limited on your budget or you can buy multiple presents if that's what, what you feel like doing. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed. Bye for now. And bye from me. I'm not a big... Sp- I'm not a big spa- I'm not a big fan of sporks. Still in the u- utilitarian. Still in the utilitarian. Still in the. <laughs> Pick a different word. <laughs> still in the utilitarian. Practical bracket. Bracket. Still in the practical bracket. <laughs> we've got things like the GS hole. <laughs> From a more generic view. From a more generic review, from a more generic view, from a more.